WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Friday, June 16th. Thank God your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds this morning, some showers this afternoon, high 79. Saturday, some scattered thunderstorms, high 77. And then Father's Day Sunday, sun and clouds, high 80. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 62 and clear in Amityville out on Long Island. 61 and clear in Teterboro in uh, New Jersey. And it is 62 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. Uh, I don't often watch Jeopardy, but uh, I sat down to watch it on Tuesday night. And uh, I had the same reaction that maybe tens of thousands, millions of fans, I don't know how many people sit down and watch Jeopardy every day, had to one of the questions. They had all these three contestants on Tuesday's episode. And they failed to correctly finish the Lord's Prayer. Now, I'm Jewish. I even know the end of the Lord's Prayer. Now, granted, I went to a Christian school, as we had to say it. But uh, I always thought just sort of common knowledge that you knew the first sentence anyway of the Lord's Prayer because it's used in so many movies and pop culture. And uh, anyway, this is what it sounded like on Tuesday night on Jeopardy. Matthew 6, 9 says, Our Father, which art in heaven, this be thy name. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Hallowed be thy yeah, name. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. They did, how could you not know the answer to that question? I don't know. I was surprised. Anyway, it was uh, Suresh, Joe, and Lord. None of them could answer that question. Uh, our Father, which art in heaven, uh, this be thy name, uh, hallowed. I was screaming at the TV. I even knew it, but they did not. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. Oh, no, here comes the uh, smoke again. Valet parked cars are going missing in New Jersey. Someone was stealing body parts from Harvard Medical School. Migrants are getting more perks here in the city. And a Long Island man who drove into the bay lives to tell his story. Let's get into it. 503, could the tri-state area see more smoke from Canada's wildfires this weekend? Uh, the answer, yeah, probably. A storm system from Milwaukee heading in our direction. It's wrapping around some of the wildfire smoke. Today, you'll probably see some haze. We're going to see those afternoon showers. So you might not see much of a difference in the air quality. But come tomorrow, we'll likely see what will be a significant push of wildfire smoke. Although the change in wind speed could make a difference in the forecast. So if it gets more intense, we'll see more smoke either way. We're going to see some smoke over the weekend. It's not going to be as bad as it was a week ago, but still, this is all from the Quebec fires, which they're still trying to douse. It doesn't look good. How do you escape it if it's covering everything? I've been coughing lately, and I keep saying I'm breathing something in, and it must be the smoke. I feel sorry for all those people up there in Nova Scotia, though. Yeah, I mean, definitely worse up there, but smoke from the fires 
has wafted through the Northeast for weeks now, but it's only been recently noticeable in most places, of course, a week ago when it was really terrible. Uh, tomorrow, though, you'll look up and it will be a little hazy. Again, if the wind speeds pick up, it could be a little more intense. Again, they're not saying it's going to be as bad as it was a week ago, but it's still going to be around. 504, last night, loud, very crowded rent guidelines board public hearing downtown Brooklyn. You had to see the line trying to get into this hearing. It was around the block. Uh, they filled the place, and the line was still going around the block, so lots of people didn't get in. But the ones who did were loud, screaming, yelling, that kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, it went on like this for a while. Tenants angry over the proposed increases for rent-stabilized tenants, 2 to 5% for one-year leases, 4 to 7% for two-year leases. It is absurd and obscene to try to get the type of rent increase right now when we're in the middle of a housing and homeless crisis. One of the women who showed up last night, Cortez, she's in a rent-stabilized apartment in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. She says if the proposed hikes go through... She would have a $300 increase a month, which is, you know, that's a fair amount of money. I'm 71 years old. I don't have retirement. And after that, I, it's more because I don't receive no food stamp, no nothing. So for me, it's going to be hard. Now, there are more than a rent, uh, million rent-controlled and rent-stabilized apartments across the city. Uh, there were no landlords testifying at this hearing. Uh, that's because they've been told not to show up because these ca- crowds are so raucous. And so they just haven't shown. But, of course, their words should get out there. They have to be represented to some of these. Most of these people, by the way, small-time business owners who say they need the rent hikes, they need the rent adjustments to keep pace with constant increases in property taxes, insurance, mortgage rates, uh, utility, energy, maintenance, other operational costs. And one of the groups that represents these landlords uh, was at this meeting last night. Uh, but says that his constituents, the people who are part of his group, uh, they're afraid to show up at these meetings because it does get awfully crazy. Uh, nobody, no violence or that kind of thing, but they're worried that just an intimidating situation to be in when you are the landlord and the hundreds, if not a few hundred people that show up at these things are the renters who are pretty damn upset. Anyway, the final vote, that's going to take place on June 21st. And the thought is usually when they make these proposals for the raising the rent, they usually go through. So this is what it is, uh, 2 to 5% for one-year leases, 4 to 7% for two-year leases. We'll know the final scoop come June 21st. And usually they institute these spikes in rental costs in the fall. WABC News Time 509. It was a bust that was two decades in the making. Federal authorities announcing charges against a ring of nine people for thefts of millions of dollars worth of painting, sports memorabilia, other valuables, including an Andy Warhol silkscreen, a Jackson Pollock painting, nine World Series rings belonging to late Yankees catcher Yogi Berra. The thefts took place 
over more than two decades, 20 different museums, including the Yogi Berra Museum in Montclair, other institutions in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, and North Dakota. And when they'd steal these things like gold and silver, instead of trying to sort of sell them on the black market, they just melted them down, which seems like a complete waste. The defendants would bring the items back to northeastern Pennsylvania, melt them down, and sell the melted-down pieces. Yeah, the Barra Museum Learning Center, just one of the targets of the thieves. Eight in custody. One guy still on the loose. Investigators believe some of the sports memorabilia had been melted down, including nine of Barra's ten World Series rings. Of course, that's really upsetting to the people who run his museum. It's terrible news. I mean, deeply sad, saddening news. To know that those original rings had been melted down just for basically scrap metal prices um, was kind of hard to even understand. Major League Baseball, New York Yankees, the Mets, along with uh, some donors, actually replaced those items. But they're, of course, not the originals that were worn by Yogi Berra. The uh, creeps who carried out this crime, they would... Uh, visit each location, and then they would numerous times, and then figure out the right time to sort of go in, break in, and steal this priceless memorabilia. It's the the tangible legacy of of Yogi's greatness in baseball. Um, however, we know that Yogi is a national treasure, um, and his values live on. The good part of this story is uh, these people didn't get away with a crime two decades ago, and cops uh, still caught up with them. They'll spend a lot of time behind bars. 5-11, President Biden dismissing a reporter's question about allegations of corruption being pushed by House Republicans. The New York Post reporter asked Biden at the end of an event yesterday, a press event, why an FBI informant file refers to him as the big guy. The reporter was referencing an FBI document that's been pushed by House Republicans to allege the Biden family was part of an influence peddling scheme related to a Ukrainian oligarch. Now, it might be a little bit hard to hear this, but let's try it anyway. Yeah, so Biden snapped at that reporter asking, why'd you ask such a dumb question? Republican lawmakers have been unable to completely confirm or verify the corruption allegations against Biden so far. But you can imagine they continue to dig. Of course, President Biden doesn't like that very much. Let's go down to uh, Florida. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis once again hitting President Biden over uh, what he says is a double standard of justice on Thursday, DeSantis was asked if the current Department of Justice is going after former President Trump while ignoring Republican allegations of corruption with the Biden family. If you're part of kind of their clique, you can get away with doing pretty much what you want to do. If Hunter were a Republican, he would have been in jail a long time ago. This week, DeSantis rolled out his plan to restructure what he calls the weaponized Justice Department if he gets into the White House. When there's a new sheriff in town on January 20th, 2025, accountability is going to be the order of the day. So buckle your seatbelts. Thank you. Now, we should go back, to, in fairness, to President Biden, to the press conference he was holding yesterday when he was asked this question about the corruption scandals or potential corruption scandals. Several companies are vowing to end surprise junk fees. That was what the press conference was about, following pressure, he says, from the Biden administration. It's a matter for working folks like the homes I grew up in. And they can add hundreds of dollars a month and make it harder for families to pay their bills. 
I think it's just wrong. So President Biden yesterday announcing that Ticketmaster, Parent Company, Live Nation and SeatGeek agreed to commit to show all fees up front for ticket purchases starting in September. Starting in September, Live Nation will automatically list all the prices up front for all tickets to events at more than 200 venues of its own. The ticket seller SeatGeek is also set to give customers the option of seeing all in up front prices. 514, uh, another person in the race for the White House, at least on the GOP side. The mayor of Miami tossing his name into the 2024 presidential race yesterday. Francis Suarez delivering his presidential campaign remarks yesterday after his uh, official paperwork was handed in. Freedom, as we know, is never free. It needs to be renewed and rewon by every generation. And to meet this challenge, we need a strong leader. Suarez becoming the first Hispanic to enter the growing field for the GOP nomination. The 45-year-old says he's running because he thinks he has a different message to offer than all the other candidates. There's a lot of them already in the race. I believe America is still a shining city on a hill whose eyes of the world are upon us and whose promise needs to be restored. It's time for a leader who believes in America's greatest power americans all right 515 let's head over to the 77 wabc sports desk happy friday good morning justin ellick good morning noam laden it is friday indeed and i gotta tell you i'm excited for it yes i I hear it's a packed crazed busy sports day (laughs) yeah yeah huge we had a lot of games going on yesterday a lot of on-field action no, now that the NBA Finals are over, the Stanley Cup Finals are over, it's uh, it's really just baseball and golf, I guess. If you're what into a that, stupid question. What a, yeah, really. What a, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a it's a very quiet time of year, I guess yeah, you could say. Strange, right? Unless you're into the WNBA, gnome, which I know you are, and, big uh, Liberty fan. Big, no. you're a big huge Liberty fan, uh-huh. but I don't have any scores in 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 the way of WNBA today. Well, there was no WNBA oh, games last a, night. No. You, you would know. You would I know. did. I'm season ticket holder. <laughs> oh, there you go, Ooh, Sabrina. And that's you. She your, she your favorite player. <laughs> yes, she is. There you yeah. go. <laughs> That's the one player on the team I know. There we go. Uh, that was impressive, actually. Yeah, you, knew, well, you could pull that name out. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I think I have a little crush on her. I think that's why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> go. We, uh, we do have baseball to look forward to today, or tonight, I should say. No, no on-field action. Yesterday, of course, for the Mets and Yankees, but they're both back in action tonight. The Mets look to turn over a new leaf here with the St. Louis Cardinals in town, starting tonight at 7, 10 p.m. in Queens. Send Tyler McGill out there to start against St. Louis's Miles Mikolas. As for the Yankees, they're in Boston tonight, also at 7.10 p.m. to open their weekend series against the rival Red Sox. Domingo Herman will get the ball in game one, while the Sox will send out Tanner Houck to counter. Uh, staying in the MLB here, the Oakland Athletic clear another major hurdle for their planned re- relocation to Las Vegas after Nevada Governor Joe Lombardo yesterday signed the bill pledging $308 million in taxpayer money toward a $1.5 billion stadium for the Oakland Athletics to move to Vegas, leaving only now the approval of the uh, of Major League Baseball to finalize the club's relocation to the Sin City. Over the last five years, Gnome, all of Oakland's pro sports teams, the A's, yeah. Raiders, and the NBA's Warriors have moved out. What a bummer, but uh, that's what happens sometimes. Uh, would they still be the A's? Do we know? Yes, oh. I, I do believe they will still be the A's or the Athletics. Okay. Um, uh, but they will be the Las Vegas A's, I guess hmm. I guess you'll call them. Maybe they'll call them the, the Nevada Athletics. Why not? Okay. 
I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Still uh, a few more steps to uh, to get out of the way there before the A's are obviously officially in Vegas. But a, a big hurdle jumped again yesterday. And a quick check-in of golf's U.S. Open from the Los Angeles Country Club sees Xander Shoffley and Ricky Fowler atop the leaderboard at 8 under par after round one. Other notable names include Dustin Johnson, just two back at 6 under par. Rory McIlroy, T5 at 5 under. And world number one, Scotty Scheffler, looking in the shadows here with a 3 under 67 to begin his week. There you go, Noam. That's your sports on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 520. Let's go down to Florida. A former Florida school resource officer's trial continues with more witness testimony. Scott Peterson stands to face the rest of his life locked up for failing to confront the killer during the Valentine's Day massacre at Marjorie Stoneham Douglas Senior High. Uh, lots of people taking the stand. Uh, yesterday it was Sergeant Sam Summeru taking the stand. You see where it says contact team? Yes. What, can you please read that? It's first one seen. One to four deputies, they will be actively engaged, securing or searching for the suspect. Hot zone. So back when this class was given 2016, it was also thought of that one deputy may actively engage or search for the shooter. Correct. Yeah, so Scott Peterson, his job was to protect these students. He did, apparently did not do that on that day. That's the charges anyway. Charges include child neglect, negligence, uh, 14 students, three staff members killed in that six-minute 2018 Parkland attack. Being able to prevent such incidents in near is near impossible. And our true mission lies in minimizing the damage a shooter can do. Does that go part and parcel with what you were just saying, that speed, that timing matters, that to be as, get there as quickly as possible. So yes, time's the essence. The shorter time period, the less casualties, the less victims we have. And that trial will continue today. You can imagine it's huge down in Florida. 521, while we're in Florida, apparently the investigation, far from over, into what caused that Surfside Florida condo building to collapse nearly two years ago. They really still aren't completely sure. Federal investigators apparently zeroing in on the pool deck and the garage roof. A national construction safety team uh, says the original structure, uh, structural design fell well short of building clo- uh, code. But And plus they had these uh, heavy planters uh, that maybe added to the weight. But again, they're not 100% sure. All of these factors combined to result in margins of safety, uh, margins of fa- against failure in some areas of the pool deck that were critically low at the time of the collapse. Of course, one of the big questions is why is it taking so long to figure out what took this building down? They'll spend uh, the next six months analyzing about two dozen hypotheses on what took place June 24th, 2021. 98 people were killed that day. Included installation of new pavers bedded with sand on top of the original concrete fill or sometimes on top of existing tile set with mortar. And near the pool deck, the addition of pool concrete placed on top of the original. The lead investigator in this says they filled uh, warehouses with evidence. They've collected uh, photos, videos, eyewitness accounts as they try to figure this all out. The goals of the investigation, which is to find out why the structure collapsed so that we can recommend improvements to building codes, standards and practices that would make communities across the U.S. more resilient. 523. Let's go down to D.C. Artificial intelligence has become so believable that there are growing worries about how it can be used for evil, such as scams. There have been calls for Congress to step in, but Senator Ted Cruz says we need to pump the brakes on that. Will there need to be regulations over time concerning AI? Almost certainly. But to be honest, Congress doesn't know what the hell it's doing in this area.
Well, that's absolutely true. The uh, Texas Republican joking to Politico yesterday that the median age in the Senate is over 142 years old, meaning they're not really the most tech-savvy group. He worries that over-regulation on the part of these people who don't really even understand AI could hamper U.S. innovation. This is an institution. I think the median age in the Senate is about 142. This is not a tech-savvy group. We should have hearings, that we should listen to experts, that we should consider what are the risks. And while we're in Washington, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin urging nations to keep support for Ukraine as the country kicks off this counteroffensive against Russia. Ukraine's fight is not some easy sprint to the finish line. And our message remains clear. We will stand by Ukraine for as long as it takes. Speaking after a meeting of nearly 50 countries assisting Kiev's war efforts, uh, Austin talked about how the U.S. has earmarked tens of billions of dollars in support for Ukraine since Russia invaded the country back in early 2022. President Biden has said our support will not waver, our resolve will not falter. And our unity will not crack. All right, let's bring it back home. 524, loved ones paying respect yesterday in New Jersey at the wake for Mark Batista. He was the off-duty FDNY firefighter who drowned while trying to save his daughter from a rip current in Avon-by-the-Sea down the Jersey Shore. Batista uh, jumped into the ocean to rescue his teenage daughter. He was an EMT and a firefighter with the FDNY. He worked for Engine Company 226, downtown Brooklyn. Uh, so many of his fellow firefighters and others showing up at his wake yesterday in New Jersey. He was from Teaneck. He rescued his daughter off the Jersey Shore when she was in peril. No greater act of love have any of us witnessed. We're extremely proud of Mark. We miss him dearly. What we do now is take care of his family. Batista's funeral will be held this morning. Let's go up to Boston, where four people have been indicted over what police say was an appalling theft of body parts from Harvard Medical School. Daughter Paula Petrovich believes her father's body parts may have been some of the ones that were sold. It's like a dream, you know what I mean? It's like not real, but... It, it is real. So we looked at this indictment. The manager of the morgue and his wife apparently stole heads, brains, skin, bones, and other human remains and sold those parts online. Two other people were allegedly allowed to enter the morgue and pick which body parts they wanted. Prosecutors say one person then used human skin to create leather. It's a sick, sick story. My concern is getting my mom back. Yeah. I don't want them to touch my mom. Can you blame me? I mean, seriously. It's just the whole thing's wrong. Yeah, that's uh, Petrovich. Again, she says uh, the parents who were police officers were very giving, and uh, this is not the way their lives or their lives were over, but they donated uh, their body parts. They wanted to give their body to science. What better than going to Harvard, you know? Yeah. We didn't get a letter or anything from Harvard. They said they mailed them today. Yeah, but I mean, they didn't contact us. Yeah, they say the school's been incredibly unresponsive now that this story has come to light and they want to know more. They want to hear from Harvard. You can sell body parts. What people do for money and just sick people. Really are. We are just getting started on this early Friday morning. So much more to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. Before we head out of here, we'll tell you how the migrants who are arriving here, and they still are, by the way, 
are getting some more perks. This might drive you a little crazy when you hear what they're getting. A Long Island man who drove into the bay lives to tell his story. And um, a bunch of unions pushing for better deals here in the city. The janitor's union and another one making a deal with the mayor. We'll get into those stories and more. But first this at 529. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Carnegie Hall and 77 WABC. Both are real New York. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Dominic Carter, City Hall. The latest uproar, transgender TikTok influencer Dylan Mulvaney has secured another major partnership deal days after Bud Light was criticized for partnering with her. To say there has been a backlash would be an understatement. She is now a sports bra model for Nike. It comes after Bud Light partnered with Mulvaney Nike has responded, be kind, be inclusive. This remains a hotly contested issue from one extreme to the other. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noam Layden. Yep, that's me, 531. Good morning. It is Friday, June 16th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun, clouds this morning. Going to see some showers this afternoon. High 79. Saturday, scattered thunderstorms likely in the afternoon. High 77. And then Father's Day Sunday is going to be nice. Sun and clouds, high 80. If you are walking out the door with us right now, now so happy you are 62 and clear in amityville out on long island 61 and clear in teeterboro down in new jersey and it is 63 a couple clouds rolling in here in midtown it's just starting to get light we'll start this half hour with the MTA making an announcement yesterday, they're now going to allow migrants with the municipal ID cards to qualify for a subway and bus discount. The head of the mayor's Office of Immigrant Affairs, Emmanuel Castro, says these cards are being accepted as a valid form for applying for the Fair Fares program. This program will make it even more accessible for them to be able to navigate our city to continue to look for work, to continue to look for housing and settle in our city. Now, thousands of those migrants who have already arrived here in New York from the U.S.-Mexico border have been handed over these municipal ID cards so they'll be able to take part in this program. The cost of living in New York City is incredibly high. This will go a long way for them to uh, have a little more money in their pockets to be able to settle here in New York City. And while we're talking about the migrant issue, right, they're accepting them in Westchester. They're accepting them up in Albany, accepting them in Buffalo, most everywhere else. 
They've tried to stop the buses from rolling in. And now a bill to block Governor Hochul's plan to house migrants at SUNY schools across the state is moving ahead. U.S. Representative Mark Molinaro has announced that the House Committee on Education and Workforce passed the Schools Not Shelters Act, sending it to the House floor. Molinaro, the bill's co-sponsor, says schools aren't meant to be used as migrant shelters. The Republican adds that Hochul shouldn't be able to force upstate New Yorkers to adopt New York City's sanctuary city policies. If it passes, asylum seekers would be banned from living on SUNY campuses, high schools, middle schools, and elementary schools. Kristen Marks, NBC News Radio, New York. 534, let's go down to Texas. Texas Governor Greg Abbott signing a bill that he says will save women's sports. It bans transgender athletes from competing on women's sports teams at the collegiate level. Women's sports. Women's records, women's teams, women's dressing rooms are jeopardized when men are allowed to compete for those teams. Backers of the bill say it doesn't stop transgender athletes from competing. They just need to be on teams that conform to their birth gender. But gay rights groups claim the new law is hurtful and will likely lead to athletes' gender being questioned just because of the way they look. Women's sports are being threatened. Some women are being forced to play against biological men. And that's where Governor Greg Abbott says it's just not fair for women to compete against biological men. Women in Texas can be assured that the integrity of their sports will be protected. While we're talking sports, let's head over to Denver. The Nuggets honored their fans uh, as they celebrate their first NBA title in the history of the team. Their coach praising the hundreds of thousands that gathered for the team's championship parade yesterday. When we win a championship, it's 17 players strong. It's the coaching staff. It's the front office. It's the ownership. But more importantly... It's all of you. Unfortunately, not all great at this parade. Two people shot after it. Also, a fire truck carrying several Nuggets players hit a Denver police officer. Chief Ron Thomas has more on the accident that left Sergeant Justin Dodge with serious injuries. The fire truck uh, began to roll up the back of his left leg, uh, trapping him underneath the vehicle, causing a very significant uh, lower leg injury. Dodge was hit while trying to distance the crowd from the fire truck as it made a turn near the end of the parade route. According to the Denver Post, superstars Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray were among the players on the truck. I'm Trey Thomas. 536, let's bring it back home. Westchester County District Attorney Miriam Roca touting the advancements of the Cold Case Bureau and some of the stuff they've done since its creation back in 2021. With a dedicated team in place... Our attorneys, investigators, and crime analysts are able to devote the time, the energy, and their passion to advancing these investigations. It's always good to know that they never give up trying to chase down people who've committed crimes. Most recently, a Westchester County grand jury indicted former corrections officer Rafael Ramos. This was just a couple days ago for the 1997 murder of his ex-wife, the mother of his two children. They chased him down, retired. Yonkers cold case detective John Geis was involved in many of the cases and says it's incredibly gratifying to give families some piece of closure, even if it's just years, even decades later. It's so good to see um, them get the answers and justice. I mean, there's never going to be closure because it's not going to be pandemic. But we gave them what we told them we were going to give them. We're going to give them the answers and get the person responsible. 
Yeah, nice job done there by the Cold Case Bureau in Westchester County. 539, Governor Hochul convening a summit in Manhattan yesterday tasked with outlining solutions to New York State youth mental health crisis. If you don't have young kids, you might not know about this, but it has been bad since COVID. Kids locked down for so long, now back in class, and it just... uh, I talk to anybody. I'm in the midst of it. I got young, you know, kids that are still in school and uh, everybody's talking about this. So uh, probably a good thing she's talking about it as well. Take the hard questions, give unconventional answers and challenge the status quo. It is simply a vow to do better. I believe we can accomplish that. So there was about a thousand people at the Javits Center yesterday for this uh, forum. Hochul says uh, experts panelists going to come up with concrete action items. They'll put this into a preliminary report. Part of the problem is, and again, from talking to people in this industry, there's not enough therapists, psychiatrists to go around for the demand of people who want them. Uh, And that's one of the bigger issues. Let us say to ourselves, we will be the agents of change that our children desperately need at this moment in time. You're here because you give a damn. You care about our kids today. You care about the next generation. And you all know what you can do. Yeah, it'll be curious to see what's in that preliminary report. New York City and a coalition of unions reaching a new contract agreement. Mayor Adams says more than 32,000 uniform members will now have a new five-year deal with some pay raises ranging from three and a quarter percent to four percent a year. This agreement underscores how important our uniform officers are to our city's success. Uh, they are the uh, this bedrock that this city is built on. The contract impacts uh, members of fire, police, corrections, sanitation departments, involves 11 separate units. Pretty complicated deal. The agreement also provides funding to address recruitment and retention issues, which is just huge for uh, every sector of New York public employment jobs. They just can't get enough people to work for the city. While that was going on, New York City janitors, cleaners rallying in Bryant Park yesterday, demanding a new deal with better wages and benefits. And they demand respect for the work that they've done. So, health care that provides for their families, their spouses, and their children. Cost of living, everything is going up. We need stuff that's going to help us out and show that we fear. When I out to my work, I have make decision. Pay my bills or buy a food. Not an easy decision. Those at the rally say their current contract just a few months away from expiring, and they need a raise with inflation uh, raising costs for just about everybody. The man charged in a deadly subway stabbing on Tuesday night released without bail. Jordan Williams was charged with manslaughter while his attorney said he acted in self-defense on Tuesday night. He's crime free. He's 20 years old. He's soft spoken. Police say Williams stabbed a man on a train. Witnesses say that stabbing took place after the victim had punched Williams girlfriend. I guess more details are going to come out about this, but he is back home today. Uh, This is out of New Jersey. Apparently, uh, you know, you go to, you know, a high end restaurant or and they'll have a valet there and they'll say, oh, we'll park your car for you, which is always a nice little thing to have. 
Well, apparently there has been an uptick in cars going missing after valets have parked them. And police are trying to sort this all out. One man's brand new BMW X5 went missing after it was stolen from a valet a few weeks ago at a restaurant in Cliffside Park. I was like, oh, my friends are probably playing a joke on me. Then I started to realize he ran in inside and got the manager. The manager came out and that's when I knew it was real. Now, this is not the first time a car has been stolen from a valet at that restaurant, but they say the valet has nothing to do with it. It's just apparently someone's watching for the right moment to go in, get the keys and steal the car. U.S. Customs and Border Protection says uh, those cars are stolen and lots of times they're driven to a shipping port and then sent to Africa to be sold. Ninety five percent of those vehicles were destined to West Africa. This is sort of like a revenue stream for a transnational criminal organizations stealing, uh, especially newer models, stealing vehicles and immediately shipping them out of the United States. Yes. So in 2020 at the Baltimore field office, they seized 95 cars. And in fact, that person we heard from with the BMW X5 that went missing from that restaurant in Cliffside Park, they found his car at the port in Baltimore. It had not been shipped out yet. We don't know if he got it back last year. But in 2021 at the Baltimore field office, they seized 95 cars. Last year, it skyrocketed to 239 cars uh, sent off to Africa. Everybody's making money in it. The person who steals it, the person who then ships it off to uh, Africa, and then it's sold uh, on the streets of Africa. And then there's a third person, lots of hands in making money for the car. But in the case of that BMW X5, they were able actually amazingly to find it. All right, 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. And here's Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam. I'll let no on-field action to get to uh, from yesterday for the Mets and Yankees. But both teams are back at it tonight as they open up respective three-game weekend sets. The Mets look to turn over a new leaf with the St. Louis Cardinals in town starting tonight at 7, 10 p.m. in Queens, sending uh, Tyler McGill out there. To start against St. Louis's Miles Mikolas. As for the Yankees, they're in Boston tonight, also at 7.10 p.m. To open their weekend series against the rival Red Sox, Domingo Herman will get the ball in Game 1, while the Sox will send out Tanner Houck to counter. The Oakland Athletics clear another major hurdle for their planned relocation to Las Vegas after Nevada Governor Joe Lombardo yesterday signed the bill pledging $380 million in taxpayer money toward a one-and-a-half billion dollar stadium for the Oakland A's to move to Vegas, leaving only the approval now of Major League Baseball to finalize the club's relocation to the Sin City. Over the last five years, the exodus of Oakland's pro sports team seems to be uh, somewhat complete here. The A's, Raiders, and the NBA's Warriors have all moved out of the city in that time span. And now, a quick check-in. Did you know the A's have moved four times? That's the most times of any team in Major League Baseball. Yeah, they started in Philadelphia. Right? Uh, that sounds way, about right. Way, 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 way yeah. back. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they've been in between, but uh, if I had paid attention when Joe told me, I would be able to tell you about oh, it. I don't know. Joe Nolan rattled it off, our baseball guru. He did. Yeah, there he is. The Joe Nolan was that kid at the uh, lunch table in like middle school who was just rattling off baseball trivia. Right, and then we beat him up after school. Yeah, that was like that was like his party trick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go over to the links, though. Noam, a quick check-in of Golf's U.S. Open from Los Angeles Country Club. See Xander Shoffley and Ricky Fowler atop the leaderboard at eight under par after round one. Other notable names include Dustin Johnson, just two back at six under. Roy McIlroy, T5 at five under. And world number one, Scotty Shuffler, lurking here in the shadows of the 367 to begin his week. 
Your sports on 77 WABC. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. Could the tri-state area see more smoke from Canada's wildfires this weekend? It looks like we will. This is what meteorologists are telling us. A storm system from Milwaukee heading in our direction, as Joe told you, rain this weekend. It's wrapping around some of the wildfire smoke. Today, there will be some haze. I'm actually looking out right now because it's already light out and uh it is a little hazy already it won't make much of a difference in the air quality today but tomorrow the area will likely see a more significant push of wildfire smoke although a change in the wind speed could make a difference in the forecast where we could see more smoke now they're telling us and hopefully they're correct that it won't be as bad as it was last week when it was just God horrible. But of course, people just worry. It's, it doesn't look good. How do you escape it if it's covering everything? I've been coughing lately and it's, I keep saying I'm breathing something in and it must be the smoke. I feel sorry for all those people up there in Nova Scotia, though. It is amazing those fires are still going. Smoke from the fires has wafted through uh, the Northeast for weeks now, but it's only been recently noticeable in most places as it was last week. But tomorrow might be the day where you will see it again. Again, we're being told not going to be as bad as it was last week. Last night in Brooklyn, loud, crowded rent guidelines, public uh, meeting, hearing all about these uh, the raise in rents for people who live in rent-stabilized apartments, about a million people across the city. The line to get into this public hearing last night, so long that only half the people online were able to get in. But the ones who did get in, they were pretty loud. <laughs> Yeah, it was like that most of the night. Tenants were angry over the proposed increases for rent-stabilized tenants. Two to five percent for one-year leases, four to seven percent for two-year leases. It is absurd and obscene to try to get the type of rent increase right now when we're in the middle of a housing and homeless crisis. One of the people showing up last night, Cortez, she lives in a rent-stabilized uh, apartment in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. She says if the proposed hikes go through, she would have to pay 300 bucks more a month. And she says she just doesn't have that kind of money. I'm 71 years old. I don't get retirement. And after that, I, it's more because I don't receive no food stamp, no nothing. So for me, it's going to be hard. Now, of course, on the other side, you have the landlords who have not shown up at the last two hearings because they got too raucous. They feared of uh, some sort of violence against them. A lot of these people, they're small time business people who own an apartment there, maybe own a three story building. And they're not big mega owners. And uh, they say they need this money just to survive. Owners say they need Adequate rent adjustments to keep pace with the constant increases in uh, property taxes, which continue to go up, insurance and mortgage rates, uh, utility, energy maintenance, bunch of operational costs. And they say they're not asking for a whole lot. They're not even sure this will cover it all. Again, 2 to 5% for one-year leases, 4 to 7% for two-year leases. The final vote from the Rent Guidelines Board will come on June 21st. And usually once it's done, those rikes, those spikes and prices are instituted a couple months later. And then you had this story 
that uh, you can't always get away with a crime when you think you have. This is an arrest or a bunch of arrests that are some two decades in the making. Federal authorities announcing yesterday charges against a ring of nine people for thefts of millions of dollars worth of paintings, sports memorabilia, other valuables. Includes an Andy Warhol silk screen, a Jackson Pollock painting, nine World Series rings that belong to the late Yankees great Yogi Berra. The thefts took place over two decades at 20 different museums, including the Yogi Berra Museum in Montclair. The defendants would bring the items back to northeastern Pennsylvania, melt them down, and sell the melted-down pieces. I mean, it seems like such a waste to melt them down. The Barra Museum Learning Center, just one of the targets of the thieves. Investigators believe some of the sports memorabilia uh, was uh, sold, but most of it was melted down, including those 10 World Series rings that belong to Yogi Berra. And you can imagine that's upsetting to the museum. It's terrible news. I mean, deeply sad, saddening news. To know that those original rings had been melted down just for basically scrap metal prices um, was kind of hard to even understand. Major League Baseball, by the way, did the right thing. Uh, The Yankees, the Mets, along with donors, they replaced these items. But, of course, they're not the originals that were worn by Yogi Berra. And now we know we're never going to get them back. It's the the tangible legacy of of Yogi's greatness in baseball. Um, However, we know that Yogi is a national treasure um, and his values live on. The good news is, after two decades, they caught up with these guys. Seven arrested, one is still on the loose. Out to Long Island, a crazy scene there yesterday morning. It was about the time we were getting off the air. Quick-thinking first responders saving a Long Island man's life after somehow he drove his car off a dock and plunged into Patchog Bay. It was 33-year-old Nestor Rizzavaro. Um, he is 2017 Nissan plunging into the water after off the uh, mascot dock on South Ocean Avenue. Lucky for him. How strange is this? There was a crew from News 12 Long Island there who happened to be shooting a story and they actually filmed the car going into the bay. And of course, so they were there to call the cops, the and uh, the uh, firefighters to come and save Nestor. The man was in such a panic. He was banging on all windows, all doors, popped the trunk at one point. This man was scared. I heard him praying in the car. That was hard to hear. I was trying to scream at the person in the car. We called 911. Help is on the way. Stay calm. We hear the sirens. Yeah, and this car was sinking fast as a car would. Uh, Suffolk County police officer Edward Petrie, uh, Peter Fian from the Patchogue Fire Department, they arrived at the dock within just like two minutes or so, and they went to work. I knew I had precious seconds. I didn't really have too much time to think, but I decided to get into the water. I saw the officer, Officer Petrie, was in the water attempting to break the window. Once one of our trucks arrived, I took a tool, it's called a Halligan, and I swam out with the tool and was able to break the back window behind the... Yeah, and you can imagine, they train for this thing, but you kind of never think you're really going to be involved in it. But the amazing part is, is they were able to break through the window as this car was sinking. They got Nestor out. They brought him to shore. Here's what one woman who was watching this all play out saw. He seemed disheveled. He seemed in a state of shock, was kind of like not believing what was going on. But he was alive and he's fine, by the way. We checked this morning. Police looking into what caused the 
car to go into the water. It's not really 100% clear. He was taken to the hospital, uh, released from the hospital. And uh, the two involved who saved his life, the firefighter and the police officer, uh, they say they don't want to be called heroes. I don't care to be called a hero. It's just what I chose to do. To me, that's a much overused term. Um, I did what I'm trained to do. Yeah, but I would think that's the definition of a hero. Somebody going in to do something that nobody else can or will do. So they both are heroes.